Now hear the prayer for illumination. Living God, with joy we celebrate the presence of your risen word. Enliven our hearts by your Holy Spirit so that we may proclaim the good news of eternal and abundant life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The first reading today comes from the book of Psalms, number 116, verses 1 through 4 and 12 through 19. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, save my life. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the child of your serving girl. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. This is the good news we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Before I read the gospel, you may notice that uh, this first part of it is the same thing we read last week, and that's true, but then there's more. So John 20, starting in verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any... They are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the disciples, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand and his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. 
and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have still come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's pray. God of life, from whom all receive their breath, breathe new life into our tired lungs so that we may speak words of faith, hope, and love. Free us from fear that we may follow Christ boldly, ready to lay down our lives for your kingdom's cause and trusting that you will also rescue us from the grave by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Mr. Rogers had a song that some of you may remember that began with the question, what do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad that you could bite? When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do? seems very right. I've been thinking about that song this week as it relates to our good friend Thomas. I think Thomas had some mad that he felt. But mostly I've been rephrasing Mr. Rogers' question and and asking what do you do with the doubt that you feel when you feel so much doubt that you are adrift? Christians often struggle with knowing what to do with our anger and our doubt. Anger and doubt, they make us uncomfortable, and so instead of simply acknowledging the reality that these are human emotions that all of us feel, all of us have anger, all of us have doubts, instead we often deny those feelings. We, we press them down, act as though they're not there, and then project them on other people and say, oh, you, that, that's, that's your problem. It's easier to see the the flaws in other people than it is to see them in ourselves. In fact, Freud named this projection. Denying negative aspects of oneself and instead attributing them to others. I'm not the angry one. You are. My faith is strong, but you're a doubting Thomas. That's projection. Now, the problem is projection doesn't work, at least least not if we want to be emotional grown-ups. Uh, Some people just do it their whole lives, but they never really grow up. But we want to find a better way, a more honest way, and thankfully Jesus and his twin, Thomas, they show us a better way. Now, I was supposed to preach on this whole passage last week, with Thomas included, but as I was finishing up my sermon, I realized I haven't even gotten to Thomas, and I have more than enough for a sermon here just on Jesus' initial uh, appearance to his traumatized disciples. And so... Well, instead of skipping Thomas, what if we just give him his own week? And so the story, as we heard it last week, begins with Jesus appearing to his fearful disciples on that first Easter Sunday in the evening. He speaks peace to them, shows them his hands and his side, breathes the Spirit on them, and then says these incredible 
words. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I don't know if you've thought much about that verse. I think it's one of the most important verses in the New Testament. That Jesus sends his friends to be agents of love and compassion and forgiveness into a fearful and violent world. And that sending didn't end with those disciples. It applies to anyone who would call themselves a follower of Jesus. We are a sent people, sent to embody divine love into a world that prefers to condemn. And we're sent as Jesus was sent. John 3.17 says, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through Him. And so if that's how the Father sent Jesus, then that same mission applies to us, which means that we can never be known as people who condemn. It's just, it, it can never happen. We are sent, as Jesus was sent, to save. To save in the way Jesus saved, which is through love. Love is what saves us. Jesus did not save us by calling us names, Uh, by giving us little nicknames and telling us to get our act together. No, Jesus saves through love. And so it is to these disciples, these same friends who had abandoned Jesus just a couple days earlier, Jesus doesn't rub their failures in their face. He instead embodies perfect love and forgiveness. But there's a problem. Not everybody was there that day. Our good friend Thomas was out and about and he missed it all. And John doesn't tell us where Thomas was, but I wonder, I just wonder if maybe he wasn't there because unlike his friends, he actually wasn't afraid of the religious leaders. The other place that Thomas shows up in the gospel is in way back in chapter 11 when Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead and when he's on his way to Judea, his disciples warn him, you know, Lord, if you go there, they're going to kill you. And Thomas said, let us go also that we might die with him. See, Thomas wasn't afraid to die. He understood the cost of following Jesus. So imagine being committed to something that much, someone. And for some reason, he appears to all your friends and not to you. How would you feel? Would you be happy for them? Oh, I'm just so happy for you. Wow, it's incredible. Or would you be angry? I think I'd be angry. A lot of people don't know this about me, but anger? That's a good friend of mine. We go way back. Uh, Doubt, too, for that matter. If I were Thomas, I think I'd just wonder to myself, Lord, am I just not that important to you, huh? What's so special about them? The disciples tell him, hey, we've seen the Lord, yay! And he responds, unless I see the marks of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand in his side, I will not believe. And while John doesn't tell us that Thomas was angry, I have a hard time reading those words any other way. So what do you do with the mad that you feel? (laughs) 
when you feel so mad that you could bite. Finding healthy ways to express our anger is one of the most important skills we can ever learn. And Mr. Rogers gives some really good suggestions in his song. He talks about like punching some, some dough and uh, playing tag with friends. Thomas takes another strategy. He, uh, he decides to speak his truth. He uses his words. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. So Thomas says what he needs. And his honesty has gotten him a lot of flack over the years, hasn't it? He's usually held up as an example of what not to do. But I disagree strongly. When we speak what we feel, not what we think we're supposed to say, then suddenly our emotions, they have just a little less control over us. Giving honest voice to our frustrations without lashing out at other people, mind you, which he doesn't do in this case. Speaking our anger, our doubts, our frustrations, this can be really difficult. It takes courage to speak our truth. And many of us have been taught that the spiritual thing to do is to hide our feelings, uh, to deny them, uh, to, to act like I don't have any doubts, I don't have any needs. But that is just a recipe for resentment. It's better to express ourselves honestly than let it boil inside. And so, courageous Thomas, as I like to call him, says how he feels and speaks what he needs without lashing out at other people. But wouldn't you know it? It works. A week later, Jesus appears again, and this time Thomas is in the room. Once again, he kind of seemingly appears out of nowhere, resurrected Jesus, able to do stuff. Pre-resurrected Jesus couldn't. And once again, he says, peace be with you, which should give us a sense now. It's the third time he said it. When Jesus shows up in our midst, what does he want for us? Peace. And peace, like we heard last week, it's not about an absence of conflict. Peace, that word is shalom. It's wholeness. It's life as it's meant to be. This is what Jesus wants for all of us. And then he turns directly to Thomas and says, hey, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach your hand out and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. It's incredible, isn't it? Though we shame Thomas for his doubt, Jesus does not. In fact, Jesus gives Thomas exactly what he asked for. You want, you want to touch my scars? You can. You want to touch and see that it's me? It's all right. It's me. Caravaggio's painting of this encounter always takes my breath away. And of course, John doesn't actually tell us if Thomas touched Jesus or not, but Caravaggio imagines that he does. And look at the painting. See how Jesus' hand is actually holding Thomas's and bringing it in closer. It's an image of Jesus holding nothing back from his disciples. He gives himself wholly to us. And before he goes to the cross, Jesus prays for his disciples and he actually prays for us in John 17. And he says, I pray that they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they also will be in us. 
But this week it struck me. In, in his encounter with Thomas, the, the spiritual unity that Jesus prays for becomes literal in this case. Thomas is literally in Jesus, held by a love that would not let him go. See, in the end, it's not evidence that eases our doubts. It's love. When we feel angry, when we feel left out, what we need to know is that we're still held by love, that we still belong. In Brian McLaren's book, Faith After Doubt, he describes four stages of faith that human beings can go through from simplicity to complexity to perplexity and then finally to harmony. And he outlines what moves us from one stage to the next is doubt. Doubt is the active agent that allows us to keep growing and keep maturing. So doubt is a precious gift that we all need if we're going to grow up. Doubt keeps us growing and learning. But in the end, it's love that sees us through. McLaren writes, Faith was about love all along. We just didn't realize it. And it took doubt to help us see it. Thomas sees this extraordinary love that Jesus has for him, a love that doesn't shame him in his anger and his doubt, but instead draws him near. And in the process, Thomas is resurrected, proclaiming, my Lord and my God. Do you notice what his name means? Thomas the twin. Faith and doubt are twins. Each one needs the other in order to be whole. And so Thomas takes, Jesus takes Thomas exactly as he is, with his anger and his doubt, and he gives Thomas what he needs. And that's how God takes us too, as we are, not as we think we're supposed to be. As a pastor, I have plenty of doubts, I assure you. But what keeps me coming back is this love that takes me as I am. And to speak what you feel. Voice your needs, because God is interested in the real you, not the person you pretend to be. And Jesus knows how hard faith can be, which is why he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Now, often that's read as though Jesus is getting in a last-minute dig at Thomas, but that's, that's not right. He's not diminishing Thomas at all. He's blessing you. Because unlike Thomas, I'm guessing you haven't seen the risen Christ. And yet you're still here. It's not an easy thing, this faith. And so blessed are you for trusting in love even when you can't see it. And so on Easter, we saw Jesus revealed himself to Mary in her deep grief. He reveals himself to his disciples, fearful and traumatized though they are. And today we see that he meets Thomas in his anger and his doubt. And in all three cases, Jesus meets honesty with love. And that's the only God that's worth believing in, in the end of the day. The God who takes us as we are and loves us just the same. 
And the good news is, that's exactly who God is. Let's pray. Resurrecting God, we thank you for taking us as we are in our grief, in our fear, our anger, and our doubt. You want the real us. God, grant us the courage to speak our truth that we might know your resurrecting love. Lord, we pray for your church, your church universal, all those who seek to be followers of Christ. Lord, would you breathe freshly on us, your Holy Spirit, that we might honor and pass on the great inheritance we have received, that we might be agents of compassion, forgiveness, and love. Lord, lead us not into condemnation, but deliver us from judgment. Judgment of ourselves and judgment of others. On this week of Earth Day, we pray for Mother Earth that we might touch her wounds with healing, care, and love. That as we love the earth, we love ourselves. And that as she is healed, we might be healed as well. And we pray for our hurting world, for its nations and its leaders, its people that your wisdom and peace might prevail. We pray for all those who are in need, the, the suffering and the oppressed, the ill and the dying, and all those who care for them. And we pray for ourselves, for our families, our friends, and those we love. We pray for the family of Joe who died this week, after battling acute leukemia. And pray for his wife, Diane, and for their family. And you might be near to them in their grief and their loss. We pray for a brother-in-law who's terminally ill. And for his caregiver. Lord, there are so many in our lives who are in need and in care. Lord, may your presence be known to us just as we are. Because sometimes it's really hard to believe. Lord, help us to trust in your love even when we can't see it. We pray for a neighbor and friend who died suddenly this past week. For a spouse in the hospital with stomach disorder. And for a grandson who needs prayer to get through the end of the year. For our students, our teachers our administrators. Lord, the end of the school year is in sight. May it be blessed. Blessed are you, O God, who through your Son Christ, crucified and risen, and in the community of the Holy Spirit, gives us an inheritance that is imperishable, unfading. And now we pray in the words that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.